Good morning. Welcome to church. We're so glad you're here today. My name is Pastor Tim. And I'm Pastor Harriet. Welcome to church. We're so glad you're here today. Hey, if this is your first time coming to be with us online, we would love to hear from you. On the screen, there's a phone number there, 1910-400-1123. Just type in the blank there, welcome. That'll let us know you came to be with us. We're so glad you're here. You ready for church today? I'm ready for church. Let's do it. Hello to our online church family. I hope you're doing so great today. I hope you're blessed at home. Today is a unique day for us as a church because for the very first time, we are hosting an online church service and an in-person church service since COVID-19 broke out. And so it's very unique. Now, I want to be very transparent with my online folks. This is not live. We are pre-recorded. We have edited through the week. We have got everything together and we are presenting this Sunday morning. Now, what's cool about it, though, is that it's 10 a.m. at church in person. It's 10 a.m. for you online if you're watching it as we premiere it. The cool thing is, is we're all together at one time, one church. We may be in different places, but we are one church all together. We're committed to continuing our online church services until everyone feels comfortable with coming back together. But we felt it was important for us as a church to take a small step forward in in-person services. We're going to phase it in slowly over time. We're not going to rush it. We're going to be really wise as we move forward. And so if you are someone that feels the need to be home right now, we support that. We love you for that. And we're going to continue to have online church services for all of us. So that's what's going on. Welcome to church. I also want to give a special welcome to Relate Church out of Savannah, Georgia. And the reason I am welcoming them today is that Relate Church is a church that we helped start about seven or eight years ago. Pastor Drew and Sarah Nasca are the pastors there, and our church has been an oversight church for them, and I have served as their, as their pastors for all those years. I've had, I've had opportunity to go down and be with them over the years. We've continued great relationships. This past February, though, Pastor Drew was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And as a result, he has been going through six rounds of five days of chemo. And in my recent conversation with him, he was just sharing with me how difficult it was for him to prepare his online services right now. And he asked if we would just welcome you into our church for a week, maybe another week or so as Pastor Drew gains his strength back. And so we just wanna say hello to the Relate Church we're glad you tuned in with us. We also want Pastor Drew to know that our entire church body right now is praying for you. We love you, we care about you, and we believe the best is yet to come in your life. And we're going to continue to be with you and help see you through all of that. So Relate Church, welcome. Everybody say hello to Relate Church. We're so glad everybody's with us. I also want to recognize that today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is a day that we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit to come live inside of us. We have certain uh, events on our church calendar that I think are noteworthy. In the same way we celebrate Jesus' birth at Christmas, we also celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection at Easter. And Pentecost Sunday is the day we celebrate 
when the Holy Spirit was promised by the Father and He came to indwell believers. The Bible says in Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, in John chapter 7, 38, that as we give our life to the Lord, that the Holy Spirit is like rivers of living waters that flow from within us. In other words, we are refreshed and we are blessed because of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And so the Holy Spirit is now in us. He comforts us, strengthens us. It's awesome to know that at all times, God's presence and His power lives inside of us. And so today we celebrate that. And so in order to celebrate that, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. We're going to open up our service with prayer. We're going to pray and thank the Holy Spirit for coming to live in us. We're going to pray for Pastor Drew. So in this moment, wherever you are, would you take, take your hand, place it on your chest, because inside of us is where the Holy Spirit is. And so, Holy Spirit, thank you that you came to live in us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you sent your actual Spirit, the living presence of God, now resides inside of us. And we celebrate that today. We celebrate that we are comforted by your Spirit. We are empowered by your Spirit. Everything we need comes from the Spirit living inside of us, and we're so grateful. Today we pray for Pastor Drew. We pray that you'd heal his body, strengthen him. We curse that cancer that's in his body, and we say life over Drew. We bless Relate Church today in Jesus' name. Father, use this message to strengthen us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Give me an amen. Amen. Awesome, everybody. Um, listen, I want to take us to one verse about Pentecost as a way to open up my message today. And then we're going to get to the book of Philippians. But I want to start at Acts 2.1 because it kind of sets up where I want to go today. And so this is the, the moment when the Holy Spirit came to fall on the believers. But it says, on the day of Pentecost, uh, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And it said they were all in one accord, meaning they had unity. They were in unity in spirit. They were in unity in prayer. They were in unity in seeking God. They were all in one accord. I want to just take this moment to um, sidebar my message for a quick joke. Uh, for those of you that love a quick joke, um, in the old days we used to have this joke that would go around about this. And so I'll just tell you my joke. And and the good thing is, is you're not with me, so I don't know if you're laughing or not. Um, but um, so the joke was like this. Uh, do you know what kind of car the original disciples used to drive? And then you would say, no, I have no idea. And then I would answer, well, out of the book of Acts, it says they all drove one accord. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Thank you. Thank you for laughing. I know you're laughing. All right. So... <laughs> That's so bad. That is like the worst joke ever, but I'm good with that. And I love to laugh at myself. It's awesome. Uh, the five people in the room are just belly aching laughing right now. No, they're not. All right, so let me get back to the message. Hey, listen, they were in the upper room and they were in one accord. And as they prayed together, the Holy Spirit fell. God blessed them as they were in unity. So today what I want to do is to take the message that we have out of the book of Philippians and talk about church unity. I want to talk about that in a way that really helps us as a church to, to stand in unity. My, my sermon title today is United We Stand, and we want to stand in unity. And I was just thinking about it because our culture and our world, there's just so much division and strife. There's so much fighting. Our world is divided, but our church must be united. We must stand united. Now, I'm not preaching about this today because I think there's a problem in our church. I'm not, 
in no way do I actually think that we have any real divisions going on. And, and if we do, you know, don't tell me about it. Just, I'm just kidding. But I don't think we do. But I do think it's important for us from time to time to preach about topics like this as preventative medicine or to prepare us for something that could be a potential problem that could come our way. And so I believe as I was thinking about our culture and what's going on, I don't want what's happening in the division in our culture to creep into our church and it bring division there because there's so many positions that people are standing on right now and and, I, and listen we all have our opinions on different positions but we have to be careful we don't let that division creep into the church as an example there is division right now in in the churches about should we have online church or should we have in-person church services and even churches have kind of made a decision we're going to have in-person services we're going to have online church services and and some have tried to kind of make that even a place of division listen we're doing both we support any decision you make right now about that and we don't want to have division about that but those are things that people get divided over another area as an example that is culturally divisive some people believe that the virus is being completely hyped by the media to create fear. Now, right now, when I said that, some of you are going, that's right, that's right, I get it. There are other people who believe that the virus is a genuine threat to our society and we should take extreme precautions. And some of you right now are going, that's right, that's right, I get it. We have our positions. There's even a division out there right now. Listen, this is the silliest one of all, but it's true. Masks or no mask? Do I wear a mask when I go out or not? I mean, it's just like there is so many things. We can, as a culture, we can decide to divide over anything. I don't know why we do it, but we do it. Division. Some people are on one side of the equation. The other. Some people would say, well, uh, going to work and going to shop is our constitutional right. And then other people would say, well, um, going to work and going to shop is selfish and you're not caring about spreading the virus and hurting other people. And so everyone has a position. I have my position. I'm not here to talk about it. If you want to debate that position, go on Facebook and have the time of your life. Please don't tag me because I don't want to be a part of it. But have all the fun you want in your conversations. In church, though, we have to find the way we have unity. And we can't let divisions from our culture come into our church body. Because there is potential for division. And so today is just a preventative sermon to prevent that from happening in our church body. So because when a church is divided, when a church is without unity, it, it, it diminishes our momentum. Without church unity, problems tend to dominate the conversations. Ministries lose its power. Time is wasted, vision gets distracted, and a church without unity goes into a state of decline and will eventually just fall apart. Our world is divided, but our church must stand in unity. Probably will take a supernatural work of God to pull this off for us, but I believe we can do it, and I believe we're going to be better together, and I believe we are blessed when we're in unity. I love what the book of Psalms 133 says in verses 1 and 3. It says, how good, how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And then it says, for there. Now, where is there? 
there is in unity. So there in unity, the Lord commands his blessings, even life forevermore. I want to be blessed. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be blessed? We want to be blessed. I want our church blessed. I want you blessed. The Bible says in unity, right there is where his blessings are. And so today I'm helping us come into unity, to stay in unity, to prevent divisions in our church body. And so this is where the Apostle Paul was in Philippians chapter 2, because there was a division in the church body there. I'm going to take you to Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, for just a moment, because Paul is actually concluding his statements from chapter 2, and I'll go to chapter 2 in just a second. But Paul says in Philippians 4, 2, he says, Now I appeal to, and there are two people's names here that are really hard to pronounce, so I'm going to, and then you can correct me at home. But I appeal to Eudea and Synthichi. So I believe that's pretty close. But it says, because you belong to the Lord, he says, settle your disagreement. Settle your disagreement. Both of these ladies in the church were very important in the church. They were prominent ladies. They were leaders in their church. And what was going on is some division, some disagreement had taken place between them. And the people were kind of taking sides. And they're like, well, I agree with her and I agree with her. And so this division was taking place. Paul addressed how to have church unity in chapter 2. And so let's go there in our series out of Philippians. So Philippians 2, 1 through 4, Paul says this. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Verse 2, he says, Then make me happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. So there was this big disagreement in the church, and so Paul begins to teach them how to have unity in the church body. Personally, I think that division hurts the heart of God because it hurts the church body. And I know none of us want to do anything that would hurt the heart of God. And so division hurts the church. And so Paul is giving them some motivation to come together in unity. So if you're taking notes, you can write this down out of Philippians 2.1. This is our motivation for unity. And so Paul is, is asking them to commit to unity and he gives this reasons why. Let me take you back to Philippians 2.1. Paul says it like this. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. And then he says, if any comfort from his love. If any common sharing or fellowship in the spirit. If any tenderness and compassion. And so Paul uses this thought with if any. In other words, he's saying you have. He's saying, because you have had these things in your life. This isn't a question like, like maybe you haven't. Of course, if you know Jesus as your Savior, then all of these things are true. And so Paul's saying that because of what Christ has done and God has done in our life, then we ought to give back unity. We ought to say we are going to fight for unity because all of, of what God has done in our life. And so let me just break these four things down, what God has done in our life from this verse. And so... Here's the first thing we can learn from this. Number one is we have been encouraged from being united with Christ. That's what it says in Philippians 2.1. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. Well, I want you to know I'm encouraged 
because of my salvation through Jesus Christ. I have unity with my heavenly Father because of Jesus. That encourages me. There isn't any division. There isn't anything that comes between Christ and myself. And none of this is because of something I've done. It's all because of Christ and what he has done in my life, the grace that he has brought into my life. He forgave me of my offenses. He forgave me when I didn't deserve it. He forgives all my sins. And so what Paul is saying, because if you have had any encouragement being united with Christ, then we ought to also give that back to others. In other words, I should have grace towards others because Christ, Christ has had grace towards me. I should forgive others because Christ has forgiven me. I should make unity with others in my church family because Christ made unity with me. And so that's Paul's first encouragement, his first motivation to us. If you've been encouraged by Christ, then number two, he says, we have been comforted by his love. Philippians 2, part B says, if there's been any comfort from his love. Well, God's love is unconditional. It's never ending. Nothing can separate me from God's love. He loves us unconditionally and it's comforting to know that that God's love is going to be with us regardless of what's happening in our life we can go through difficult circumstances and because I know his love is never stopping for me I know that he is going to always be for me I never question I never lay down at night and question oh I wonder if God still loves me tonight he always loves us it's so comforting that we never have a day where we wonder am I loved by God how does this help me in so many ways his love actually defines how I relate to other people. Listen, I want people to love me. I do. I really do. I want all of you online. I want you to love me. I really do. But I want to be real honest with you. I don't need you to love me. I want you to love me. I don't need to. Why? I am loved by God, and he fills my tank. He fills what I need. He is everything that I need in my life. I want for people to approve of me. I really do. I want you to like what I do. I want you to like my sermons, and, and I like all that. It's really good. I like for people to pat me on the back. It's, it's great, but I want you to know, I don't need it. I don't need it. Why? Because my approval comes from God, and it's so comforting that everything I need comes from God. I find all of my significance in my relationship with God because He loves me. And so what Paul is saying to the church here, he says, he says, because God has loved you so well, you're comforted in that, then can you love others anywhere near that? Can you stand in unity? So Paul continues with his motivation to stand in unity. And he talks about we have fellowship in the Spirit. So in Philippians 2, 1, part 3, if any fellowship in the Spirit. Well, fellowship means doing life together. And so we just celebrated the coming of the Holy Spirit into our life, meaning that he lives inside of us and we are doing life with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is doing life with us and we live in him. He lives in us. We follow his lead. It's, it's amazing that we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit in our life. And so what Paul, I think, is saying is that if you have been encouraged, if you have been empowered, if you have been comforted, if you have been touched by the Holy Spirit in any way, then we should return back to the church a position of unity and love for others. So Paul's just continuing this thought. And he says another reason for 
a motivation for unity. He says, we have received tenderness and compassion. So in Philippians 2.1, it says, if there's any tenderness and compassion. Well, in the Greek text, the word tenderness is referring to God's strong affection towards us. It's, it's a sensitivity. It's a passion that he has. I think you could say it like this, that, that God has a passion of compassion towards us. And I think what Paul is saying is if you have ever felt in any way the, the passion of God's compassion towards you, then you know what Paul's talking about. Like if you have ever had God touch your life in any way, if God has ever ministered to your need in any way, if he has ever helped you in any capacity whatsoever, if his compassion has ever been demonstrated in your life, Paul's saying, you know what that is. And if you've had it given to you by God, then Paul is saying, we need to give unity to others. And so Paul then continues and he says, because of what Christ has done in our life, because of what God has done in life, for these four reasons, he just laid out four ginormous reasons and things that God has done in our life. He says this in verse 2, he says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and purpose. In other words, if God has blessed you, and Paul's saying, which he has, he has blessed you, then work for unity in our church body. And so Paul then, he continues in this way of helping us find unity in the church in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. This is our means of unity. In other words, this is how we do it. This is the heart attitude. And Paul gives us, he gives us six heart attitudes here. He says in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, he says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And so I, let me just summarize these two verses just really easily. And I would say it like this, that the first letter in unity is you. And so I think what Paul is saying, instead of thinking about me, I should be thinking about you. That's pretty good. <laughs> but I should be thinking about others. And that's what Paul is saying here. So I just want to break these, these six things down real quick, make a quick comment about them, and then we'll be ready to, to stand in unity. So Paul is saying, number one, don't be selfish. In other words, we should be others-focused. That should be our heart. Like when you come to church or when you're around people in your small group, then you need to show up with a, a focus of how are other people doing, how, thinking about others, and how do I bless others? How do I encourage the other people in my church? Paul says another thing. He says, don't try to impress others. What he's saying is, is don't walk around trying to build up your own name. Don't try to build up yourself. Don't try to show yourself like you're better than others. He's saying, don't try to impress others, but instead what we ought to do is to be a blessing to other people. I think that one of the ways that we have church unity is when everybody comes together and everyone is encouraging someone else. You ought to leave church when we're able to all come together in person. You ought to leave church with more encouragement in that day than any other time in your life. If there are 300 people in the auditorium, you probably ought to get a hundred encouragements because we come in encouraging people like that's the mindset can you imagine what church would be like if everybody came in thinking about others and encouraging other people and that would be the greatest place in the planet and that's what church ought to be the greatest place on the planet paul says also in the third point he says to be humble 
Be humble. The opposite of humility is pride. Pride is the root of sin. Pride is the root of racism. Pride is the root of division. Pride says, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. Humility says, we are better together. We need to be humble. Paul says that we should think of others more than yourself. Number four, think of others more than yourself. We don't need to think less of ourselves. In other words, I don't have to degrade my value in order to lift you up. I don't have to look down on myself. But what I need to do is to stop thinking about myself so often and start thinking about people more. And so thinking of others more than ourselves. We don't need to think less of ourselves. We need to think about ourselves less. And so Paul was teaching us that. Number five, he says, don't look out for your own needs, but also to meet the needs of others. I think if everyone served, then no one would go unserved. What a church that would be if everyone served. If everyone, every time they came to church, had an activity, some way they served others. You don't even have to be on the list to be someone who serves. I don't care if, if you are on the coffee team, on the breakdown team, setup team. I mean, I want you to. I do care. I want you on those teams. But you can come to church and not have an official role for the day, and you can still serve. You can still look out for the needs of others, and you can still help other people. You should come in with a servant heart. Man, I want to be a part of a church like that. We're pretty close to that, but I bet we can take another step. When we all come back together, and we're going to come together with great unity serving one another. And number six, Paul encouraged us to be interested in others. You know, if you really want to break down division, then you have to begin to show genuine interest in someone. One of the problems with social media is that it takes the, um, the personal side out of it and you're just talking to a screen and you're hiding behind your screen. In church, we, we don't act that way. We're not hiding behind screens. We are interacting together. We are a church body. Uh, we are people. And if you want to break down division in a church, then you, you bring the, the person side to mind. You think about the people and you, you engage in a conversation with people. You know, if someone disagrees with you, I think Paul is saying that we should take responsibility to repair it. That responsibility is on each one of us to repair the division. How do you do that? Well, you show people kindness. That's how you show interest in someone. I think if you can just wear somebody out with kindness, they'll finally help work on that piece of unity. You can bless people, give them a gift, show up one Sunday and give somebody a gift and say, hey man, I love you, I was thinking of you, I brought you a, a I don't know, bring them a gift card to, you know, listen, if you're upset with me, you bring me a gift card to Port City Java, I'm going to love you. Simple as that. Hey, you bless people, find something to applaud in their life. Man, in other words, intentionally connect with a real person. And that's what Paul is saying. We have to fight for unity and you have to be interested in other people to make that happen. And so Paul is encouraging us to stand in unity. And I want to just finish my message today with three do's and three don'ts about church unity. And so this is my closing out place. And so just take a few notes with me, but three do's and three don'ts when it comes to church unity. And number one, do participate in church. If you want to be in unity, we have to all be pulling in the same direction. We have to have the same purpose, the same heart, same mind, and we have to be pulling in the same direction. And so in order for you to pull, 
You need to participate. Paul said we should be working together with one purpose. And so how do you participate? Well, you attend Sunday services. Maybe it's online, which is right now for you, but maybe it's in person when that door opens for you. But we participate. We worship together. When you come to church, worship your heart out. Lift your hands up and, and sing to the Lord. Worship together. We pray together. And we hear God's word together. Like we participate. I would also encourage you to participate in serving. Uh, sign up for a serve team when we get back. I got a feeling we're going to have to have a, a new surge of, of help when it comes to serve teams. And so we're going to be looking for everyone to participate because we're in unity. We do this stuff together. You can join a life group when you get back. Uh, there are life groups right now that you can be a part of. If you want to be a part of a life group, email the church. We'll help find a place for you to connect. And it may be a Zoom group, but we'll help you find a place to connect. But we need to participate. Another way you can participate is through tithing or sowing into your church. That's one of the ways we all pull together. We all sow. I seriously believe that every single person should be sowing at some level consistently into their church. And so those are some ways that you can participate in your church. I hope you love your church, our church, enough to participate. I hope it's a desire of yours to be a part of what God is doing. Another do. Do pray for your church. Do pray for our ministries. Do pray for our pastors and leaders. Do pray. Prayer is so important. I appreciate all the prayers I get. And I just selfishly want to ask you to keep praying, but not just for me, our entire staff. We have so many leaders carrying weight in our church. And I want you just to pray for all of our leaders. Help lift us up. And number three, do champion our church to others. Champion our church. In other words, invite people to church. Share on social media. Be an advocate for our church. So be a champion for our church. So those are three do's. Now let me finish with three don'ts. Don't expect church to be perfect. It's not going to happen. Participate anyway and help us get better. Don't expect church to be perfect. The book of Matthew chapter 18 teaches us that we should go directly to a person and resolve the issue and reconcile the relationship. There are going to be times where you have disagreements and you see things in a way that's different from someone else. So instead of checking out, Go to the person, resolve the issue. And if you have a problem with leadership, if there's something going on and you just can't seem to figure out why something is being handled, well, I encourage you to come to leadership and talk to us. Don't just leave mad. Like, it drives me crazy when people just leave mad. At least come tell me why you're mad and then leave. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't want you to leave. But don't just leave mad. Come have a conversation. Listen, you're committed to something. We're committed to unity. And so... It's not going to be a perfect house, so come work it out with us. Number two, don't spread gossip or criticism. Don't initiate gossip, don't initiate criticism, and don't allow it in the circles of friends that you are a part of. I like to say it like this, you carry water or you carry gasoline. And when you walk into a conversation that has something negative to it, you can pour gasoline on it and turn it into a wildfire, or you can pour water on it and you can quench whatever is happening. You can help solve the gossip problems that can happen. I don't think they're happening, 
don't participate in any way. Number three, the last don't of the day, don't give up on the local church. The local church is God's number one way of discipling people. It is God's number one way. It's God's number one plan for his family. And every church, just so you'll know, every church has ebbs and flows. We're going to have good days and bad days. We're going to have good months and bad months. That's just the cycle of life, the cycle of church. Uh, every pastor is going to preach a great sermon, and every pastor is going to preach a pretty bummy sermon from time to time. And you can't allow yourself to look at the church through a narrow lens. You need to learn to look at church through long distance and go, well, there's ebbs and flows. Don't check out when things are in an ebbing season. Stay committed through it all. Stay committed for unity. Long-term perspective is the way to understand how to go through church together. Amen, church. Well, let me close with this. When Harriet and I started our church i remember having so many conversations about what we wanted our church to be and what we wanted to look like and and we honestly we did not set out to build a big church she and i always talked about we wanted to build a healthy church and we knew that healthy churches would grow everything that's healthy is grow will grow and so we have done everything we can as a church and a staff to have a healthy church one of the foundations for a healthy church is church unity, and that's your part. You can help fight for that, and we can have a very healthy church, and God will grow it at his pace and his way. So I just want to thank you, church, for being so great, for pursuing unity. Unity is so important for the health of our church. We have people from all aspects. We have people that attend our church from different countries, different races, different economic classes, we have different church backgrounds. We have unique stories, but we can all gather in unity under the name of Jesus Christ, that he is Lord of all lords. He is our King of kings. And so we want to encourage you to fight for unity. Paul said he gave us the momentum to do it because of all that God has done in our life. We can fight for unity. And so there's my message for us today. We're going to prevent any disunity ahead of time. We're not going to let culture come in and destroy us. We're going to get stronger through it all. Church, I love you. I love my online church. I think you're amazing. Uh, I can't wait to see you in person one day, but until then, we'll continue to, to have our online services just for you. If you're tuning in, though, I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, would you say this simple prayer with me together as a way of saying you want to be a believer? Here's a prayer. Dear God, I confess that I've sinned. I need your forgiveness. I believe in my heart that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave to give me a new life. I receive my salvation today. My life will never be the same again. In the name of Jesus, amen. Church, I love you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you just text to us at 1910-400-1123 and put in the comment bar, saved, we'll get back to you. Church, I love you. Have a great day. God bless.